Hello everyone! It's game of the Hello. year! The best time of the year! Hooray! The only time of the year we record podcasts now. <laughs> in the same room! Oh uh, yeah, in the same room. Oh yes, of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, or in general, kind of, this year. <laughs> to be fair, this well, is the yeah. most, this is going to be the most on time our game of the year has been though. That's true, yeah, but it also means that it's been, it must be a year since we've actually seen each other in the yeah. flesh. Fuck, it has, yeah. Easily a year. God damn. That's depressing. Oh, well, let's just be sad now. And just, yeah. just jump straight into the <laughs> sadness. Um, before we get started, we'll just, just say we're going to change up the format a little bit, not massively, this year. Where instead of having a big list of nominations for everything, we are just all going to nominate a game or two as we go. Yeah. Um. Sometimes we might nominate the same game, and that'll probably make it really easy to decide on the winner for the category. Um, yes. Unless the person that chooses a different game is, you know, really feels really strongly about it. Um. I think this should work. If only because this year I feel like none of us feel super strongly about most of the games that came out. <laughs> um. Particularly now. Yeah. So let's start with the happy cool. category for 2020, the most disappointing game of the year. I'm glad you said most disappointing game, because if it was just most disappointing, we could nominate the entire fucking year. Yeah, 2020 <laughs> as a whole. So many plans that didn't fall, that they all fell through. <sighs> but... So many opportunities for getting drunk, just lost. I realize... Speak for yourself. I realise that I didn't actually <laughs> think about this, but because we're doing it only, you know, we're all nominating a thing, we yes. actually kind of need an order, <laughs> rather than just the usual of, there's a list. So, right. oh. I've written an order, and I'll rotate it as we go through. So we'll okay. start with Mike, what's your most disappointing game of 2020? Cool. So I had, I had two that I was thinking about, and the first one was uh, 2K's WWE Battleground but we kind of knew it was going to be bad anyway but what made it disappointing for me was I bought it when, bought it on the cheap, played it and the first couple of missions are fine or missions levels yeah. and it looks like a fun little battler and but what happens is the difficulty level just goes through the roof after you've done like the first tutorial level and then all of a sudden, every other fight, these combos are getting pulled on you. There's nothing you can do about it. And it is, it's just grinding over and over again until you get lucky enough and the computer, the AI glitches out or anything like that. So it was a bad game. It kind of redeems itself a little bit where you reckon, ah, I can play this. And then just bad design, bad choices all through it, ruined everything. But the one I'm going to go for is Inertial Drift. I don't know if you guys played this. This was the racer, and uh, the idea was that it was going to be drift-based, and you would use twin sticks. So mm -hmm. it was a twin-stick driver. I didn't and play it didn't, it didn't work. Um, nah. It looked stunning. Uh, I liked the story. That There was humor built out through it, but mechanically it just didn't work, and I was gutted. I was really, really gutted. Um, it was weird though because it had a demo and the demo was 
the demo worked and everyone kind of liked it. And mm-hmm. it's then when you figure out why the demo worked, because it was near enough a fucking straight track. <laughs> <laughs> so the rest of the tracks had all these hairpin bends in it and it was just, it was unintuitive. They didn't, they, they could have tuned things and done it better. So yeah, that's my most disappointing. All right. Inertial drift. I didn't play that, but I did mean to, and then just didn't because no one seemed to like it. <laughs> Never so got I was like, it. I don't I, need to. I, I think during one of the times I bought it, and on one of our game sessions, I think I did mention to you and Nathan because Nathan was looking at, at playing it as well, and I'd said, "Don't buy it." Yeah. yeah. Um, Paul, what is your most disappointing game of the year? My most disappointing game of the year. There was two options. One of them was going to be Marvel's Avengers. Yeah, that's a good choice. Um, and the other one is Last of Us Two, which is probably going to be controversial because it's won a lot of Game of the Year awards. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did not like the game at all. Right. So, what was it that you didn't like about it? Was it the was it the story, or was it? Uh, I I wasn't super fond of the story. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was. I'm just gonna throw it. I thought it was boring. I at no point felt the same love for the story of two that I did in the first game at all. I at no point felt as interested in the world as I did in one at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. I know it's won a lot of awards for writing and stuff. I personally found it bland as hell. Um, the gameplay, in my opinion, was just not enjoyable. Um, I actually lowered it down to the lowest difficulty at one point. So I thought, like, let's just get through this to see how the story ends. Uh, and I just I didn't. I think I got close to the end. Now I just can't be bothered with this anymore. I'm not enjoying it. I'm playing this just out of a feeling of necessity because everyone else is saying it's so good and I'm really not liking it. Right. Um, so I actually, I think due to that, that I played it due to not liking it and everyone else saying it was alright or good and I, me feeling like I should like it, I kind of grew a bit of resentment towards it because I wasted a lot of time in it not enjoying myself. Yeah. Right, fair enough. Um, so it's, it's the biggest disappointment of the year to me because I was so hyped for it. One was my game of the year, the year it came out. It was fantastic. It was great. Yeah. Um, I think it was all of our game of the year. The yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Um, so I personally feel like this, while a fantastic game that looked nice and all the rest of it, in my personal opinion, to me, was crap. <laughs> See, I just kind of felt that it was... It didn't make any leaps and and progress from the original. It didn't do no. that much differently, you know. Obviously, there's the story which is goes in different directions, and yes. that is it is very much take it or leave it. I personally, I thought the story was a bit obvious. I kind of so I wasn't really enamoured with it, and it was it was just felt a bit more of the same to me. So I wasn't really disappointed i wasn't gutted it was just like all right it's fell into that trap that a lot of games do you know where the sequel is just it is more of the same and they, they've they're just relying on the hype to take it through yeah and i think that's my main issue with it is all right okay it it re- it had so much hype about it which i bought into because i loved the first game um and i think everyone went with the hype um I don't necessarily think it was that good of a game. 
Okay, yeah, fair enough. I didn't play uh, it. I, I have nothing against it. I just don't think yeah. the story didn't do anything for me. Um, the gameplay didn't do anything for me. It's not a bad game. I just personally it was most my most disappointing of the year because you didn't live up to the hype. I think that's the thing I about most disappointing. Anything always, I wanted from it. Most disappointing is always like the, you know, the highest expectations and a game the game didn't meet them. It doesn't necessarily need to be the game is complete garbage and terrible. It yeah, just no. needs to be. I thought it was going to be better than it was. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I expected me to I expected to love the game and I didn't and that's why yeah. it's disappointing for me. I just I, didn't I, love it. Yeah. Cool. I didn't play it because I I don't know. Nothing about it has seemed interesting to me. Like The Last of Us was a really great self contained thing. And over the years I've gotten really fed up with Naughty Dog's gameplay because I think Naughty Dog games all play quite similarly and I just don't like how they play. Yeah, um, yeah. Which isn't to say it's bad. Like, like I had not played The Last of Us 2, I'm sure it makes some improvements. Uncharted 4 played better than Uncharted 3, for example. But yeah. even then I didn't like how Uncharted 4 played. And so like I know <clears> that <throat> I probably won't enjoy how this plays. Nothing about the story seems like essential and interesting to me. It seems like a kind of by the numbers revenge tale. Um, yes. Like it seems like the world and characters are maybe the interesting part, but I, that's not enough to make me go through this. So if not, I'll I'll get it when it's on sale or something. But yeah, personally, cool. Um, so what is your dis- your most disappointing? My most disappointing is not as exciting as that. It's a uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, which was okay. a a Dragon Ball Z game that came out in. February, I think it was. Right, okay. Um but they were like they this was like kind of pushed as kind of like the somewhat bigger budget game. It was made by the same developers that made the Xenoverse games, which I really enjoyed. Um they made this big open world so you could fly around the Dragon Ball universe and they, you know, very lovingly crafted all of the iconic locations from Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. Um and you play through the story of Dragon Ball uh, of Dragon Ball Z through each of the the, the arcs from the anime, um, but it's just not very good. Is the main thing. There's some light RPG elements in it, and I was like super excited for it because I like Dragon Ball Z games. Like I have played upwards of a hundred hours of Xenoverse Two, and they keep bringing out more DLC for Xenoverse Two, and I keep buying it. I am the person that keeps buying it. That is the reason they keep releasing DLC for that game. Like you're the one reason they keep making DLC. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like three or four years after the fact, and they're still releasing DLC for that game. And I still buy it and boot up that game and go, "Wow, I can play as Kefla now. Great, I'll do that for a fight." Um, but Dragon Ball Z Kakarot was just like the combat is fun, but it kind of falls into the same issue that the first universe fell into which is that a lot of the enemies have this kind of like super armor where they just won't react to hits sometimes and this is not fun um and it's weird that they fell back on that because xenoverse 2 fixed that issue um which made the fighting in xenoverse 2 just feel better but kakarot the the core combat is good apart from that though and it looks really nice and it has some really nice like cg like in-game uh remakes of scenes from the the show 
that look really fantastic and they did like a really great job with them um my main issue with it is just there's this big open world that they use for nothing like there's some really boring side quests dotted around the place there's a whole lot of collectibles and stuff that are pointless um they do the kind of like um oh i'm blanking on the name i've been blanking on loads of names recently what's the what was the police uh superhero game from the xbox we jump around collecting orbs oh uh, uh crackdown crackdown yes. they do the crackdown thing there's just all these orbs everywhere and there's orbs for flying there's orbs for running blah blah, blah orbs underwater um and you use them for upgrading your character you kind of need to do that because there's some like weird difficulty spikes in it so they really want you to go into the open world and do this kind of really menial stuff to upgrade your character to do stuff and it was just dull i was i was really disappointed in it. i was hoping this was going to be basically like a 3d version of um the legacy of goku games that they did on the game boy advance but it's it maybe is and maybe i need to go back to those games and reappraise them and maybe i just don't like those games as much as i did at the time but yeah i don't know i i like dragon ball games and this one was not good unfortunately they've been on a run with good dragon ball games yeah they had the xenoverse games they had fighters like every dragon ball game that's came out in the past few years great that card game pretty fun the mobile game pretty decent and then this one it's like ah never mind see you keep telling me to play one or two of them and i'm like ah, i don't want to it's fighters the one where you've got the little middle bit um that you run around as little chibi characters yes uh that yeah. fighters is the fighting game by arc system works um yeah. so it's the best looking and best playing well it depends what you're looking for it's it's a fighting game um xenoverse is like a kind of xenoverse is destiny but with dragon ball characters which in theory sounds fantastic yeah and it doesn't have like the kind of big areas to run around in like in destiny it just has like individual missions where you kind of fight enemies and get loot and you make your own saying and stuff it's fun yeah um but yeah kakarot is my choice I think Last of Us 2 probably wins this, though. Um, I don't know about you guys. I mean, it's my choice. Uh, we're <laughs> probably going to take a lot of flack for it, but that's 100% my choice. Yeah. Um... Hey, I'm happy to give it to any of these. Yeah. Uh, I don't agree with it as much, but yeah, go for it. I mean, if you don't agree with it, we could choose something else. Um, well, no, two out of three. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going on based on past disappointment. Yeah, yeah, it's always one of those, you know, where yeah, go for it, fuck it. All right, <laughs> most disappointing, The Last of Us Two. Yeah, with and runners up, you can address all of your hate mail to my Twitter. I mean, and where I'll block you because your opinion doesn't matter to me. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, whatever. It's people need to grow up. Um, yeah, so the winner of our most disappointing award, and a, a reminder: this doesn't mean the game is 
bad. It just means it didn't live no, up no, to the expectations. Just, I, it just means but, I was heavily disappointed with it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, Last of Us 2, Runners Up, Inertial Drift, and Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Next up, let's just keep rolling through these. Yeah, go for it. We have Best Open World. This is a category that is kind of not necessarily the best open world game, although it can be. Yes. But it's the best we kind of made this as like it came out of like the best atmosphere category we used to have like it's it's the best kind of place that you want to run around and explore basically and if yes. the game is also really great that also helps but like i mean mad max won it one year and that game is fun but not necessarily amazing so yes i think correct. we made this category for mad max if i remember right we did um, we might have yeah <laughs> because we're yeah, like no, this we're... game isn't good enough to win any other awards but we do like a really it. good world <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah so this time let's start with paul paul what is your favorite open world okay so i actually put two into this category um, did you choose two for everything <laughs> i think you did i'm not no, no. i'm not complaining it's fine no, <laughs> no, there's, there, there's certain ones i've got two in them um so I, there was actually a toss-up um, for me, and I, I'm going to pick the second, which is Watch Dogs uh, Legions London. I've put it in there just because it's so well recreated. Um, mm, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you can just... If you've been around certain areas of London and you visit them in that game, you go, yeah, I recognise this. Like... The first thing I did was go to a tube stop that I normally get off at in London and then walk across the bridge to the London Eye where that big, massive arcade is. Yep, I'm with it's you. It's been painstakingly recreated, in my opinion, and it, it deserves a massive shout-out for that. But my best open world is Assassin's Creed's Valhalla's Worlds. Um, just sheerly for enjoyment of running around a completely beautiful worlds that looks fantastic feels fantastic you feel like you're running around medieval england you feel like you're raiding a monastery <laughs> it just does everything right for me in this category so it's assassin's creed valhalla's england-ish because uh, it's not the whole of england but the section that they've chose to do um is my best open world for the year and you play that game Cool. Uh, I'll go next. My favorite open world of this year was Paradise Killer. Which okay. Paradise Killer will probably come up a few times with my stuff today. Um, but Paradise Killer is like a it's a first person kind of adventure game where you're um, you've been called in to solve a murder that has happened in this. Uh, small island called Paradise and it is the 24th Paradise because they keep remaking it because it keeps getting fucked up every time um, <laughs> something goes wrong it gets invaded by demons or it gets like some, something bad happens it gets blown up everyone dies you know, things happen they're like oh fuck let's make a new Paradise I guess um, but the thing that makes the open world really cool is one this game has just like a really beautiful art style like a uh, it's not necessarily like the highest polygon kind of thing, but it's got it, it reminds me of um it reminds me of like arcade Sega games, like Dreamcast era kind of you know, Sega had the whole blue sky thing. 
um it reminds me of that like is that kind of bright colorful art style all right and they used open world really well because it could they could have just made this like a a phoenix wright style you know choose a location and you go to it and investigate it kind of thing and it would have been the it would have been the same game in terms of like story and how a lot of the mechanics work um but in the open world stuff they have a lot of like hidden little collectibles they have this uh, little demon character shinji that shows up and you can talk to him in various places and he just shows up in random places and flips you off and is, says something cryptic and leaves and that's pretty fun um and it's just a very like realized kind of space like you you walk around it and you find all these little descriptions explaining why everything is the way it is so like for example like the core conceit of it which this game has like a huge amount of lore and stuff like that that you figure out as you're going through and it's probably my favorite part about that game um but they the core conceit of it is that this island is run by this cult of like charismatic figures that are trying to summon ancient gods that will you know they're pretty genocidal to be polite um and they to do this they have these islands called paradise and they have they like they're it's connected to the real world so they have just a bunch of people that they have just taken from the real world and the way that the entire island that you wander around is like crafted is specifically designed in a way to explain like well this is where those people live and there's like apartments that those people live in and then there's like bigger houses they live in and they explain that this we did this because all of them kept going crazy and killing each other in the apartments because we abducted them out the real world and they're like oh fuck this i got taken out the real world and had to live in this <laughs> shitty apartment fuck this so we made a bunch of beach houses for them and they seem happier now and they're less likely to murder each other while they're doing our bidding and it's like okay that's bizarre but the the whole world has like all this kind of weird shit in it and like explanations for why every weird fucking thing is there um and then also just like a bunch of weird ass statues of their ancient creepy gods um but yeah it's just this cool space to like wander around and explore uh and as you go through you unlock you unlock some abilities that basically turn it into somewhat of a platformer so you get access to basically you you end up just running around and jumping around this like big open space and exploring every little nook and cranny and it's just super super cool um cool so yeah paradise killer is my favorite open world Mike, what was yours? Mine, I thought there was there was only one choice, and it is in terms. Sorry, I'm just wrangling a cat. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of atmosphere, the amount of things to do, and the general world that's created, it's Ghost of Tsushima. Mm. Yeah, that, that is one of the choices. One of the most amazing places that you step into it is. The, the atmosphere of everything, it just feels like it is straight out a, a Kurosawa film. Yeah. Yeah. I know it does. It does. Yeah. And there is just so much to do within that world. It is rich. 
uh, you know, you play through the, the first section that you kind of get dumped in. And I think all of us spent about 10, 11 hours in that first area. Oh, yeah. God, easily, yeah. More. Uh, yeah. And then you go, oh, shit, it's opened up. And you realize there's more. Yeah. It I, was just... I 100%ed that game. Like, that is the only big open world of that size that I've ever been like, I need to do everything. I need to see everything in this. Well, that's what took me so long. I've got to the secondary. I actually haven't finished it, but I feel that I've played enough of it. I think I've now put, I'm close to 30 hours and I'm just scratching the surface of the second area. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much more of there there is. If there is four times as much as that, I'm happy with that. (laughs) It is just, there's so much to do. Um, Yeah. I don't think I need to say any any more than that. It's just a fantastic experience and a brilliant world that creates, you know, it just creates that atmosphere of they nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, no, they did. Um, the only reason I didn't mention it is because I figured one of you two would. That's 100% the reason wanted. I didn't mention it as well. Um, <laughs> I was like, someone will bring up Ghost of Tsushima. I will pick Paradise Killer instead to give it a shout out because I know you guys yep. didn't play that game. Um I yeah. spent like dozens of hours in Ghost of Tsushima collecting every little thing, doing every little side mission, and most importantly, just taking photos, like just using the photo yes. mode and yes. just taking pictures of things because that world looks so nice. And I feel like yep. this is a thing that's going to come up a bunch during this podcast, most likely, but obviously we were in lockdown most of this year. Like yep. even if, you know there was you know tears and things got lifted and stuff like that i think most of us played it safe and stayed indoors most of the time anyway yeah 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 um, no we did yeah so being able to play a big open world game where i could explore you know all this outdoorsy stuff and be like okay this is like you know i i haven't been able to go for walks in the woods and stuff like that recently but ghost of tsushima there's one section in there in particular that has a really nicely lit and realistic looking forest section which is a rare for a game in my opinion i feel like games are really bad at making woods or forests or whatever i mm-hmm. feel like there's always something that feels very artificial about them but there's something about the ghost of tsushima one that they i think it's just light and they made it feel very real um, yeah. yeah i know that that's yeah so you got to go for your walk and murder somebody with a samurai sword i know right i can't do that in real life then don't forget better a box yeah oh yes of course never pet a fox in real life as cute as Wise they are <laughs> I think one of the funniest things about Ghost of Tsushima coming out this year is that I feel like a lot of people that don't live near foxes um, came to the realisation of through Ghost of Tsushima that foxes don't just like make cute like dog or cat noises despite the fact looking kind of like dogs or cats uh-huh. they make weird fucking <laughs> just weird ass <laughs> fucking like screeches yes i think yeah, anyone that lives somewhere that has foxes already knows but i don't know i that's a bit tangential but i thought i'd bring that up because it's because it's realistic and he did a good job it makes it realize the world a lot yep um what do you guys think wins? I, I'm happy I, I, with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I'll throw my hat in for Ghost as well. Yeah, I think Ghost of Tsushima. I think the fact that we were all going to nominate it and me and Paul basically just chose other ones because we knew someone else would. Which <laughs> yeah. would have been really yeah. funny if Mike had done that as well. I, I, I've done that for certain categories and I thought we might end up with a doubler on this one as well. And I thought, oh, I'll, I'll just chance it and see what happens. <laughs> I think if, if if we'll deal with that when it happens. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think that makes sense. Ghost of Tsushima is the best open world. Um, cool. With the runners up, Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Paradise Killer. And a special shout out to Watch Dogs Legion. Yeah. Uh, which Good. I do. I like the version of London that's in Watch Dogs Legion as well. Is yeah, I've I played a little bit of it as well. I did the same thing as Paul. Uh, the minute I could, I jumped in a car and I drove around all the the bits of London that I knew in yeah, central London so, yeah. to check it out. And uh, as as far as Assassin's Creed Valhalla goes, I still have it in its wrapper, in its cellophane wrapper. I still haven't taken it out. <laughs> Um, worth playing at least until you get out of Norway and go and see some of England. Well, uh, yeah, there's, there's been various reasons which will no doubt come up later that have prevented me from doing that. But we'll games. get there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, let's just keep going. Let's go. We're going a good pace yeah. here. Let's go. Uh, best update or DLC of 2020. Uh, I will go first this time. Yep. Which I'm going to pick the Ghost of Tsushima multiplayer. Ah, see, this is one I haven't played yet. Yes, haven't touched it yet. It's so good. So, Ghost of Tsushima launched with, you know, big open world single player adventure game. And partway through, like, I think it was just after launch, they were like, by the way, we're going to do a free update that adds multiplayer later. And it's like, why? (laughs) It doesn't need multiplayer. It's nonsense. It's a big open world, whatever. Um, But they added a multiplayer mode well two multiplayer modes one is like a cooperative campaign which is all kind of supernatural themed and you're fighting ghosts and demons and stuff like that and it's just those same core mechanics of ghost of mishima of you know stealth and the sword combat stuff like that and you're playing it with up to four people and you can there's some things that are kind of designed for multiple people so there's some enemies that will only die if you kill both of them at the same time um there's some cool things around uh like elements so it's got kind of like you know the destiny thing of you know some enemies will have a shield around them that can only be defeated by x element and you go and collect that and stuff and it's just really cool but the kind of the main mode is this big like horde mode this wave-based survival thing where you're uh defending multiple different points you have different classes you can play as and you level them up and unlock new stuff and unlock new gear and unlock new skills and i played a bunch of it a lot more than i expected to because it was just really fun like they managed to bring these mechanics that were clearly designed for a single player experience into a multiplayer world and they pulled it off really really well and it was free, which I think is also yeah. important. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's mine. Uh, Mike, what was your favorite update slash DLC? So my favorite DLC was 
Destiny 2 for update, but more importantly, the Beyond Light expansion. Yeah. So Destiny 2 had kind of went through a slump in terms of, you know, all its players and things, but what they have been doing over the number of years has been getting better and better, adding more content and things like that. This year, they've been plowing a lot of content into it, and they also brought a full new expansion as well, which is the Beyond Light one. (laughs) And the reason I think it deserves it is I started playing Destiny 2 for the first time. Uh, I'd played the first Destiny when it came out. I wasn't a big fan you know, I've always said on the podcast, one of the reasons that I, I'm i not too keen on the first-person shooters is I get a little bit motion sick, things like that. And tried it just out of curiosity because it's now gone free-to-play. So downloaded it on the PS5. Obviously, the PS5 is running it at a solid 60 frames a second, you know, yeah. or it can go yeah. up to 120, but we don't have the televisions for that. And it's only during Crucible. Which uh, right. I don't think any of us play. No, no. So I then discovered I don't get motion sick. Nice. So that was a big thing because I, I've played, you know, I've uh, one of my games of the year was Bioshock at one point, which is the first person. And I've managed to put up with it because it's a single player, so you're not needing to be that quick and things like that. And I think the whole time it's been about frame rate. It just makes me queasy if it's not running smoothly yeah 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 so that was a big surprise that i could stomach it and so i've been playing a hell of a lot in the past month and yeah it's really good i don't know if you guys want to go into specifics about what it does it just adds in there's new powers that can be unlocked there's new planets obviously got the story mode extra raids uh and it's also got extra hunts and Uh, strikes. I'm still learning all the different the, the the things and what they're called, but really enjoyable so far. And it is Destiny Two has got the elements from you know uh, dungeon crawlers like Diablo. It's also got elements of MM MMOs in there as well. And I was saying to Paul when we were getting ready to start the podcast. What I'm doing now in Destiny 2 and the way that I'm playing is the reason that I've stayed away from MMOs for all these years. (laughs) You know, because you end up spending, you know, hours on what you're doing. Oh, I'm just trying to get the right equipment for this weapon. Or, you know, I I just need to do three more things. My my helmet will be just exactly like I like it. Oh, man, when we start getting raid ready, you're going to be... You're going to be like, oh, I need... I need uh, a set of gear that makes me jump better, uh, so I'll keep that aside. And then, <laughs> well, th- that was it. I, so I I started uh, last night. Uh, we were watching the DVDs and things like that, just with, uh, wasting time through the evening, and and went to bed. And I said, "Oh, I'm just going to go and check something." And I ended up starting to fiddle around with the you know, upgrading armor and stuff like that that gives you these abilities. I said, like, oh, right, okay, so now my helmet gives me, it generates orbs quicker, or, you know, there's all these different yeah. things, and you can, uh, so, yeah, I've went down that rabbit hole, but Destiny 2 is doing it in a kind of fun and light way. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Oh. Did we lose Mike? Uh, possible. And it just feels like it, it's a very good curated Mike, game. You cut out for a big chunk of that, but... <laughs> I think, I think right, I think I think my the... cat hit my mute button. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> that's the but... downside of recording remotely. Um, yes, yeah. But yeah, I think it's also worth maybe pointing out or like lumping together just Destiny 2 in general because yes, the Beyond Light expansion is great. Like it's a really good new campaign. The new powers are yeah. really fun. Yeah. Um, the new location is just very different from all the other planets which is really good yeah. um but also if they hadn't done like they this year they did the new light expand or new light update that while it removed a bunch of content from it which is i'm still a bit iffy on but i kind of get why they did it um it also just redid the the starting structure of the game which i actually got back into destiny 2 earlier this year before that update and yeah it was really fucking hard to get back into destiny 2 like since it got went free to play and before the new light update came out there was no like clear guidance of what you should be doing at any point you just get into it and it's just like here's destiny and it's like well what did i do like what what is this game i've been away for two years or whatever um but now they've added the new light campaign and they have that whole onboarding process where they very much go through and are like, this is these are public events. These are a thing you want to do. These are strikes. You should try those out. Here's a bunch of campaign missions. Here's, you know, and it, it kind of like walks you through all the individual parts of the game to be like, here is what you should be doing. And here's all the people you should be talking to. Here's, you know, you'll get bounties from them. You should do bounties. Always pick up all the bounties and i feel like that has just made the game more accessible like yeah. i feel like you two would have bounced off that game completely oh yeah i mean if you had tried it earlier in the year even if it as had someone the six who mode you stuff. were trying to get to play destiny 2 i had no real want to do so and then with the ps5 update when it went to 60 frames per second hdr 4k all that good stuff i was like right okay cool i'll download it i'll give it a go just because i wanted to play something with you uh, and you weren't really too much into uh, Warzone at that point. So yeah. I was like, okay, I'll download it. I'm so glad I did. And that onboarding process, that new starting campaign that as someone who played Destiny 1, I ran through bits of that going, I've already done this before and I, re <laughs> I remember this from Destiny 1. Yes. But it teaches you all the basic mechanics again. It teaches you everything you need to know in order to then go and do Forsaken, Beyond Light, and the expansions and actually know what you're doing and where you're going and what you're doing with your weapons and exotics and legendaries and yeah. armors and effects and all that stuff. It it teaches you everything you need to know in a fun yet simple way. And honestly, I don't think I would have quite enjoyed it as much had that not have been a thing. Um, and also, you as someone who had started playing before that, you played through that with me. And uh, you still enjoyed it, even though you knew most of the stuff it was teaching you. Yeah, I did it again separately because I just enjoyed doing it and wanted to see the parts of it that I didn't do with you. And it's like, well, I just want to see what this does. And it's it's good. It's just a really good introduction. It's 
not as good as like a single player campaign as the original Destiny 2 campaign. Um, yeah, which they have since yeah. removed, which is maybe the one bit of this that I'm a bit iffy on because I still think that the original Destiny 2 campaign is one of the better pieces of story content they've done. Um, it's like the closest they've made to like a Halo campaign. And it, yeah, I'd it still like good. to play that, so hopefully they re release it at some point. Yeah, I bet they'll add it back in at some point, but it's still a bit disappointing. But again, this is yeah, it's a great new thing. Um, Paul, what's your choice for <laughs> best of the year? Um, we don't even have to talk about mine because we've just done an entire segment on it. Mine's was Destiny's 2's next gen update. Yeah, I think that's fair. I kind of guess that was the case when you know we kept going. <laughs> <laughs> um, um well, yeah, no put... mine was destiny's 2 next update i only intended to ever play the free to play section of it and i now want all three expansions i think mike was the same mike was like i'm gonna yes. jump into this not you know not sure if i like it because first person shooters and stuff and then i came back the next day and mike was like you seemed iffy on it to start with like we yes. played through some of the yes. intro stuff and you seemed to be like i think i like this but i'm not too sure and I came yeah, back the it, next day and you're like, I bought all the DLC. <laughs> like, wait. Yeah, because we played through the, you know, that kind of tutorial stuff and it's like fine. And then and Nathan and myself were playing and it's right, okay, so we can go here and we can do this bit and it only comes up at a certain time. And then it's like, no, what about, you know, there must be some sort of story, there must be some specific. Oh, yeah, no, that's in the DLC. Yeah. And, you know, just as we were playing, it's like, right, okay, what DLC do I need to get? And we were talking about it and looking at things. And because of the sales that were on, I ended up picking up everything, I think, probably for the same <laughs> price that Paul was. You know, yep. we picked up yep. the whole thing for around about £45. Yes. All three yep. of them. Yep. Yeah. It's worth it. We've played dozens of it. Well, I've played dozens of hours of that game. You uh, I was looking last night, night, since I started playing Destiny 2 with you, I think three weeks ago i have 37 hours in the game i think i'm over 100 if i remember right i i've played too much of that game. <laughs> um, but yeah i think it's fair that destiny 2 is our best update dlc of the year um or do you want to debate over whether we should be putting it as beyond light the ps5 update or new light i kind of feel like we should just put destiny 2 destiny 2 as a whole just there yeah, like their back end of 2020 has been on point. Yeah, they made that game super interesting again, which good on them. Um, so yeah, best update DLC, Destiny Two with runners up, Destiny Two, and Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's just keep cracking on. Uh. Next up, we have the best old game. This is a category for just any game that didn't come out in 2020 that we want to talk about. We won't, nece- <clears throat> we won't necessarily like choose a winner for it or anything. It'll just be a game that we individually all played you know, from previous years. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and we're back around to Mike. Mike, what was your best old game of 2020? I'm glad that you didn't segue like for best old game. We're going to go to the bet the, the old gamer first. So I, I thank do. you for that. I know that I look at the order <laughs> I wrote down. I have went from oldest to youngest. <laughs> I didn't actually mean that. 
Oh, I, I didn't actually true. mean that. I was just like, okay, well, um, I think like you were just talking at the time, so I put Mike first, and I was like, I'll put myself last. <laughs> so Paul's in the middle. Oh, brilliant! So, uh, my old game is pretty much my reason for picking it is kind of like the same reason for Destiny Two, and uh, no, it's not Destiny Two. It is Forza <laughs> Horizon Four. So. I had reinstalled it onto the Xbox Series X, and I did that because it, you know, it had the optimization for Series X. And my biggest surprise was the amount of content that they've added to the game, and they keep continuing to add to it. So they've added more story modes and things. So they've added things where you play through an episode of Top Gear. There's also things where you run a taxi business, and the idea is to go. It's point-to-point races, but they, you know, they've built little stories through it. They've done like an insurance claim guy shows up, and he says, "Oh, this 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 guy claims this car can do this, this, and this, and it can flip through the air." You need to do it to prove it. Mm-hmm. So you're doing things like that. They've added in the Eliminator, which is basically it is Fortnite in Horizon where you start off on the entire island of Britain, you pick a point to start and everyone starts in a MIDI. You then tear around the island looking for cars and each car is graded. You start in a level one car and they go up to level 15 or whatever it is that they go up to. You get a new car, you look for other players and you try to eliminate them. You do that by flashing your lights and doing a point-to-point race. Last one standing wins brilliant didn't think it would work and have spent a lot of time in it and it was just the i kept going back to it because there was so much to rediscover within that game and of course it was always a good looking game but now with it running at the solid frame rate and things like that it is a must to go back and check um and why i would say it's my best old game nice fair enough i still need to try out that battle royale thing I keep meaning to. I keep thinking. It is, reinstall it. It's good. <laughs> <sighs> um, it is. It's really good. And like I said as well, it just looks so much better mm-hmm. um, on the new consoles as well. It makes sense. Or PC if you've got a PC. Yeah, I was playing on PC, so it probably looks pretty similar. Although I don't have yeah. like 4K monitors, so it probably actually looks better still on that console. Um, next up, Paul, what's your best old game? Uh, so I had thought about chucking Mafia Remastered in here, but it's a remaster, so technically no longer an old game. Yeah, technically it's a 2020 um, release. Yes. Despite en- really enjoying that game. So my best old game, um, despite it getting an update and everything that I've played a ton of, is probably Destiny 2. Yeah. Um, with a, with a shout out to uh, Modern Warfare's multiplayer mode, although I have played more Warzone. Which is technically a 2020 release, but mm-hmm. we'll we'll give it a pass because uh, technically Modern Warfare came out tail end of 2019. So, but yeah, my best old game of the year, Destiny 2. Yeah, nice. I almost put either Destiny 2 or Call of Duty Modern Warfare on mine because I got into Call of Duty this year. And I like I don't like Call of Duty games. No, nah, I'm the same. I don't like COD games. But we played a ton of Modern Warfare multiplayer this year, and I was 
I got surrendered. I died. 358 hours. I, I completed one of the season passes. And then I didn't play again <laughs> until like a month ago. Um, <laughs> but that's not my choice. My choice for best old game is Disco Elysium. Nice. Who? Is in one of those. It's one of those games that, if I had played it last year, would have been my game of the year, or at very least in that top three. Um, this happened to me last year as well with um, Valkyrie Chronicles Four, which came out the year before, but I didn't play it until last year, and then was like, "Fuck, I should have actually played this." Um, Disco Elysium is like a kind of. It looks like and has a lot of the like trappings of like an old school like PC RPG. Like it's got that isometric kind of thing. You're point and clicking your way around. Um, but there's no combat. And it's much closer to like an adventure game in my opinion. And you're going around and talk to people. You're a detective that's uh, trying to investigate uh, a bunch of different things. But in particular killing that has happened. And Again, it's got this like really great like world building. It has some it has some of the better political writing in a video game that I've seen. Like it does a real good job of it has like a bunch of different representations of different ideologies in there and doesn't like it is very quick to point out like you're know, like this one's like irredeemable you know like don't fucking do this this fucking bullshit but you can go around being a fucking fascist asshole if you want and the game will you know respond to that but it's very much written by people that are like like this is fucking stupid um but it's really good and it's just the entire world they've built is really cool and the story is amazing um it would 100% have been in my running for game of the year last year if i had played it <laughs> instead of playing it this year so <laughs> that's mine disco elysium i highly recommend it it's coming to switch this year uh and other consoles but i mean switch is probably where i'll replay it because it seems like it'd be a fun thing to play on switch um i definitely recommend people try it out if they haven't yet um, i intend to give it a go when they add the update yeah the update's also adding voice acting to all the characters, which yes. I'm unsure how I feel about. Like, in theory, that's a good idea, but I think also the fact that it's like this old school feeling PC RPG, I feel like I don't want those characters to have voice acting. <laughs> um, which is silly, I know, but, you know, that's me. So, I don't think we need to pick a winner for this one, do we? Nah. I don't think we've ever picked winners for these in the past, have we? This has always just been no. the show out a game category, basically. Um, so yeah, our best old games are Forza Horizon 4, Destiny, and Disco Elysium. Or Destiny 2, specifically, I should say. Um, yeah, not Destiny 1. That would be really old. I was really tempted to boot up Destiny, 2, uh, Destiny 1 again and just like see what the fuck that game even is. Like, what is that game? I don't remember. That was a while ago. I just remember that you stupid bastards actually paid money to for real life money for your ships and they didn't do anything except hover on the, the loading screens. Yeah, I know, but they look cool. Yeah, they look yeah, really I, good. I mean, I don't think yeah, I've I, I, paid real money for... I've definitely paid real money for something. 
don't know if I've paid real money for any like emotes or anything like that in Destiny 2. There's a lot of it because obviously it's free to play now. Um, yeah, there's a lot of it, but there is a lot of it that you can get within you know the in-game currency, and you um and you can change pass. your ship, yeah, within the season pass and things like that. So yeah, I think I've I had some silver in my account, which is the paid currency stuff. So I must have bought something at some point. But I don't yeah, remember. Right. <laughs> I don't remember. It must just have been like. I mean, I've spent <laughs> money on cosmetics and all sorts and COD for Warzone, so I oh, can't yeah, say no. I, I definitely have done that as well. Um, anyway, next up, we have Biggest Surprise. And we're starting with Paul this time. Paul, what was the biggest surprise of 2020 for you? Gaming the wise. Su- yes. <laughs> um, biggest surprise. There was a global pandemic. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> No, I didn't say I'm going to cut No, my biggest surprise in gaming is a bit of an odd one because we all actively kind of thought the game looked all right. Um, but I was very dubious. And my biggest surprise is just how bloody good Bug Snacks was. Mm. That's a good That one. game had no right to be that good. I love Bug Snacks. Um, you'll, you'll notice just... I'm being quiet. Yes. Not a fan of Bug Snacks. No, um, I'm not talking about it's, o- it's okay. That's fair. I need to play more, um, but yeah, it's okay. Yeah, that's I don't fair. really, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything bad to say about it. I expected some dumb, stupid game that was purely aimed at kids, and I got a dumb, streaky game that was purely aimed at kids. But it was also absolutely fantastic. It's purely and had one the... of the wackiest Sorry. stories I've played in a game in a very long time. Yeah, it's like purely aimed at kids in the way that nineties cartoons were purely aimed at kids, and that they're yeah, fucking yeah. edgy as fuck at a certain point, yes. and are very um, clearly made like with the intention of like we're going to creep these kids the fuck out. Yeah, it's exactly never made the kids <laughs> ever <laughs> yes. made the kids. Um, but you know, my biggest surprise of the year was that Bug Snacks just wasn't a complete waste of time uh, and something I really didn't like, even though it kind of looked fun. It was the complete opposite from what I was. I thought it was going to be. I thought we are going to end up with something kind of Viva Piñata-y. Yeah, same. Um, and I did not expect that game to be what it was, which yes. was just a, a really fun kind of... It's Apescape, basically. Yeah. It's Ape Escape I... merged with an adventure game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a little bit of Pokemon with catching bug snacks. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was just all around kind of fantastic. And I really, really liked it. So that was my biggest surprise of the year. Nice. Uh, I'm next. And my... I put down two of these. One of them's kind of jokey. One of them's a real answer. Jokey one is that the biggest surprise is everyone got into Destiny 2 this year. Which... I was expecting somebody to say that. It's <laughs> a big surprise. I didn't see that coming. Um, I thought I was just going to be playing Destiny 2 with Nathan <laughs> and that would be that. But no, everyone joined. Except Ben. We'll get Ben someday though. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll drag him in. We'll get him in there someday. And then we're only one away from a raid party. <laughs> um, but my actual answer is Fuser. I, oh, right. If, I feel like if you go back to earlier podcasts when... I say earlier, it's probably like two episodes ago because of how little we recorded this year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but before Fuser came out, when we saw trailers and stuff for it, I was pretty down on Fuser because it looked just like Drop Mix, but with the hardware removed. And I was like, that's not the hardware is the bit of Drop Mix that seems fun. I don't, right? You know, this doesn't look like my thing. Uh, and then it came out, and Fuser is. I mean, spoilers for the later part of this podcast. It's in my top five. Like this, that game is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's yes, absolutely. so much fun. They give you the mechanics they have made for mixing together music in a fun and really easy to do way is great. Um, the campaign is maybe a bit meh because it kind of tries to push you into doing, you know it pushes you into learning the mechanics rather than learning to make good sounding things which kind of makes sense but it's not as fun as a result but then the the free the free mix mode is fantastic i've sat in there just for like you know 20 30 minutes at times just mixing things and listening to nonsense i've made um the event mode is just one of my favorite things like i love each week to be like <laughs> oh here is a set of requirements for what you need to do to submit a song and it'll be something stupid like use uh i think this week's is use the it's a specific type of drum um or one of my favorite ones was like it was classic rock and it was like you have to use like it's it straight up prevents you from adding any music that came out after the 2000s and oh oh what oh i said okay oh i thought you said oh i was like oh no something <laughs> broken am i broken I'm paranoid yeah, about I things breaking now um <laughs> but yeah uh yeah it straight up just stops you from adding any music uh outside of i think it stops you adding from any music that is in the genre as well outside of rock and also that it was past 2000 and also you had to use a specific instrument um and so you end up making some mix, submitting it, and then you get to vote. And it encourages you to vote because you get rewards for it. You unlock cosmetics and stuff like that. Um, so you vote for, like, it, it feeds you up a random assortment of other people's submissions. You listen to them, vote for the ones you like, skip the ones you don't like. And it's just a cool system. Just like every week there is a, a new thing to kind of focus you a bit. So you're not just messing about with stuff you're like okay well this is the target this is the limitations that are being set on me which means i can make something that sounds maybe a bit different from what i usually make because otherwise i will just always mix carly ray jepson fat boy slim and uh all star <laughs> and that's yeah. it I'll just, I'll just mix those and then but you know if there's these requirements set on me then i'll do something that doesn't sound like trash maybe uh but yeah i was just surprised that game was even good never mind that it was one of my favorite games of the year yeah so it was a big surprise for I, me. that's fair enough i think because i had drop mix and i played around with it and then when they said it was coming out and it was just basically the electronic version of drop mix mm-hmm. and i thought that's fine i read up into it and the biggest thing for me was that with drop mix you know um the, it's the same thing where you have the four different elements of a song, yeah. But the card, the collectible card element of it is that you know you had to buy the packs to get all four cards, 
but now you were getting this library of songs and you instantly had access to all the different tracks. Yeah. Um, so I was already on board, board at that point. Um, yeah, th- like you said as well, again, spoilers for the, the end of the podcast because it's going to be my top five as well. But the 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 biggest thing with the that campaign is, yeah, it's just teaching you the ropes and it feels like it's impossible to do well in it. So I've just taken it as, right, okay, you're, you're teaching me how to use it and what you're doing is you're getting me to repeat doing the same thing over yeah. and over again so that it's in my brain and I know the systems automatically. Yeah. But yeah, just echoing everything you've said as well mm-hmm. about the, you know, the, the, the modes, the free plays and the events and everything. Fantastic. Yeah, it's just, it's great. But I... I I get why if you were already into drop mix, seeing it would be like, okay, well, that's going to be more of a thing I like, great, but they're doing these things to improve it. It's just for me having... I was always interested in drop mix, like we you know, talked a lot about drop mix before either of us bought it and yes, you know, when you got it for pretty cheap I have consistently been looking for it to fall that cheap again <laughs> and have not right. managed to find it um but uh, yeah i i don't know for me before it came out my brain was like the physical part of drop mix is the bit of drop mix it seems weird and interesting to me the bit where you're mixing music and stuff to this game doesn't sound super interesting to me so the fact that when yes. i actually got the fuser actually came out and i saw people playing it as instantly just like oh no this is this seems great this is amazing and it was yeah um yeah mike what was your biggest surprise of 2020 my biggest surprise was what we thought was a throwaway packing game for the playstation 5 mm. this is also and it it turns out to be Bugs this fab <laughs> it's not bug snacks <laughs> it turns out to be this fabulous love letter to Sony and it's Astro's Playroom. I love this game. It is just full of little surprises. So Astro's Playroom is basically, it starts out as a tutorial about the, the new controller, mm-hmm. the DualSense. And, you know, it teaches you all the different vibrations, all the components, what it has. And once it's done that over, you know, like this, this little introduction, it then has this platform level and a series of platform levels and you're collecting things and everything is a part of Sony's history. Um, it is just, it is a really sweet game and I love it. It's, you go through levels and you find there's little things, um, there's little robots and some of them are dressed up as iconic characters from games that debuted on you know one Sony PlayStation or another. Uh, for example, you find uh, Dante, and Dante is doing Devil May Cry things. Okay. There's one of the the wee guys, and he's running about with uh, the Cloudbuster, Cloud Cloud Strife sword. Um, and there's just so many things to find and see. And the the one of the final boss levels is uh, I don't want to spoil it, but it's, it's taken from <laughs> yeah, it's a throwback from like the old boot up demo disc yeah from the original playstation yeah and yeah and it's great it is 
it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I love Astro's Playroom. Um, I don't think it was a surprise for me personally, just because I played the VR game that they made, uh, Astro right. Astrobot Rescue Mission, which is basically yes. that, but in VR. Um, All right. So I already knew when it was coming out, I was like, oh, this is going to be a great platform and stuff. But the level of like Sony, you know, history that they managed to cram in there is still incredibly impressive. Especially the amount, yes. of, the amount of like third party stuff that's in there. Like, I'm kind of surprised they managed to get like, you know, like you said, Dante kind of permissions here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like they managed to get Dante in there. Um, who else is in there? Like th- Crash Bandicoot's in there, Spyro's in yes. there. Yes. Yeah. Um, less surprising but uh dude from death stranding's in there um, yeah but like yeah like there's just tons of stuff from lots of first party sony games so you'd expect that you like you expect you know cat from gravity rush and you know things yes, like that yeah. but there's also just a ton of third party stuff that i'm kind of surprised they managed to get i mean they're sony yeah they, they have you know yeah. they have some leverage yeah, but <laughs> Yeah, there's sack boys in there as well, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's. it's kind I think of funny when, that sack when they've approached. There. Sorry, what was that? I said it's kind of funny that sack boys in there because I feel like a generation ago, this would be a sack boy game. Yes, <laughs> but Astrobot <laughs> has kind of supplanted sack boy as Sony's mascot at the moment, which is uh-huh. weird because they just released the new Little Big Planet. They did. Yeah. I, I think it's just that it's cool. You probably find what's happened and what I imagine is that when they were developing it, they've went, they've reached out and said, look, we're doing this thing and, you know, what our character is going to have some resemblance to your character. Is that okay? And they've given the synopsis of what the thing is and the whole idea of it. And I think for somebody to turn around and say, no, you're not doing it, it probably, if it ever got out, it would come across as quite mean. Yeah. I can definitely see and that. you, you know, you can see straight away when you, if you were given the the synopsis of this game, you could see exactly what they're trying to do and what the the idea of it is, and you'd be daft to say no. I think the one that actually surprised me most is that there's um, Silent Hill and Metal Gear Solid stuff in there. Because, yes. Because Konami doesn't really make games anymore, and. Uh, famously had a big falling out with Hideo Kojima, whose character is also in this game. So, yeah, <laughs> the fact that yeah. Sony managed to talk them around on that is impressive. Um, but yeah, Astro's Playroom, it's a good choice. It's a great game. Uh, what about a winner for this, though? What was the biggest surprise? Or do we treat this like the best old game category? We just all have an individual one. I think we do. I don't think there necessarily needs to be a winner on this one. Mike, how do well, you I think that? I think we do need a winner. <laughs> you want a winner. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Fight. I think Yeah, no, I'm 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 pulling you back into line, Paul, because you wrote <laughs> this to me many many years ago, one of the podcasts, and I said, Oh yeah, we'll just <laughs> we, we just won't have a winner. We'll have and a winner. uh and it's fusing. Yeah. And it's fusing. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm in this uh, I'm in this situation where I didn't really find Astro's Playroom or Bug Snacks surprising. Um not in terms of quality, at least uh, like Bug Snacks does some weird shit that 
I didn't see coming. Oh, but, yeah. Um, yeah, it does. But, like, in terms of, like, <laughs> being good games, like, I was super excited for both those before the PS5 came out. They're basically the reason <laughs> I bought a PS5. Yeah, I think... Like I said, I'm not that impressed with, with Bug Snacks. Mm-hmm. At the moment, I will get back to it and I will play some more, but I... I am surprised at not how good it is because I, I don't know that yet at, at the reception that it's got and it seems to have cashed in on its hype and it's been proved it's proven through critic reviews and things to be worth the hype mm-hmm. so if we had to pick one of the three I think I would side with Paul then and I'd be happy to say you know for glitch free gaming's biggest surprise to for it to be bug snacks. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Like it wasn't a surprise for me personally, but I I can understand why yes, for yeah, other people yeah. it definitely would be. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um for me it was like this is the people that made Octodad, which is great. And they got Kiro Kiro Bonito to do a song for it, so it's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think you know, I, I think in terms of you you know i i knew fuser was going to be good and you knew astro's playroom was going to be good so yeah, we're kind of, kind of splitting the difference yeah of... yeah um once again i get a winner without trying <laughs> so you convinced <laughs> us in the first part um next up oh wait i should summarize it uh biggest surprise was bug snacks with runners up astro's playroom and fuser Next up, we're going to do best new character, and we're starting with me. I think yes, me. I can do maths. Um, <laughs> so, my best new character, my favorite new character, Toy Twenty, is from Paradise Killer. Which Paradise Killer has like a the whole thing is like is that got that kind of like Phoenix Wright ish kind of you know super eccentric charismatic characters that you talk to all the time uh but my pick for the fit my favorite of all of them is the doctor on the island whose name is dr doom jazz and he is uh scottish for stars and also he is like the doctor of this weird ass cult and has like cool robotic arms and he refuses to live in the same apartment complex as the rest of the cult. He instead has like a yacht that he has like just nearby that he hangs out in and brings women back to. And it's like everyone is just like, yeah, that's Dr. Jim. Everyone you talk to, not just what, men and women you talk to in that game are all just like, yeah, that's Dr. Doom. Jazz. Yeah, I spent a couple of nights on his yacht with him. He's a pretty cool guy. And that's my pick. Also, he just looks cool as fuck. Fair enough. I'm find a picture and send them to you. Uh, but yeah, Mike, what is your choice for best new character? My choice is you never get to see the character. You only actually get to hear his voice. And that is vo- the voice of Northern North. And he is doing a character called Bruno Durant in Dark Five. No. And basically, uh, Dark Five actually has a campaign, and throughout the campaign, there's this story of two drivers, and there's a rivalry. So they're the one character is kind of the 
the champion of the, the series and he's being interviewed in a podcast. He comes on and says things. And he is the, the kind of character that guides you through the game, through the tutorial uh, races and things and shows you how things work. Bruno Durant is this up-and-coming racer and the guy's a bit of an asshole. Um, and just the way that he's... that Nolan North voices him and the things that he does is really great. He's just this... Uh, you know, that he comes onto the podcast and they say to him, right, okay, what do you think of AJ? When are you going to race him? You know, then you're number one. He says, look, your rankings mean nothing to me. I don't care about rankings. I'm the best. I know I'm the best. Have you seen my hands when I finish a race? And he, he's just this kind of cocky and arrogant as well. And and he's quite great. And then at, at the end, you know, obviously you finish the the campaign and it's going to end up with you will race both of these characters and then he speaks to you and things like that and it's it's quite cool um yeah so bruno durant dot five nice fair enough and paul uh so i'm actually surprised this was not yours karen but it is um definitely mine and it is chandlo from bug snacks yeah chandlo was a close second for me um, um, I love Chandler so much. Yeah, he is the most bro of bro jock characters that you just wouldn't imagine would be in that game. <laughs> and then you wouldn't imagine how his story pans out either at all. <laughs> um, so he's he's this guy who's literally using the bug snacks islands to become the best that he can be in fitness and sports and you need to, you first meet him and you need to go collect basketballs for him because he doesn't have extendable arms um and then you go to his little nerdy friend snorpy who gives you some tools and that's how they're introduced to you but he's just He's such a fantastic character. I, I, I'm really trying not to ruin that yeah, story. Like the end of, of his story arc is one of the... Well, it's the end of Snorpy's story arc, technically. But that kind of combined ending of theirs is one of my yeah. favorite bits in that entire game. I yeah. have I've got like a couple of things written down for best moment, and that's one of them. Yeah. Um, and it might still win out. But also, um, like, there's so many other funny bits and great bits. Oh, it's like, just, yeah. When you first meet Snorpy, Snorpy refuses to leave his house. And Chandler just comes up and he's just going, he's just like, all right, I guess I'm going to have to lift your house then. And Snorpy's like, what are you talking about? You can't lift my house. And Chandler just starts lifting his house. And lifting like, the house just off the floor <laughs> until it's above his head. He's just start going, I'm lifting your house, dog. And it's the dumbest <laughs> shit. He's so good. And also, oh. Chandler just like is constantly jogging around the town, and just like oh, yeah. every time he passes anyone, you can hear him. You can just hear Chandler in the background, just being like, "Oh hi, hi!" Like introducing, like saying hi to everyone he passes. He's the nicest dude. Love Chandler. He's honestly he's the best character in that game, in my opinion. Uh, and there's a few good ones. There really is. So yeah, he. I I can't ruin why I think he's the, my favorite character uh from the game because i'll ruin part of the game but just he is that's fair yeah 
Uh, Although you're probably going to ruin it later in best moment anyway. I might not, just because I know Mike's not played it yet. Um, <laughs> and it's a good bet. <laughs> but yeah, so... Well, who wins overall? Oh, I have. I don't really have a horse in this race. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't think we could comfortably give it to a voice. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I mean, it, he's good, and I liked it, and it made me chuckle and things like that. But it isn't. There isn't enough of it as well to mm. justify. So I don't have a horse in this race. I don't know the two characters. I know a little bit of the Bugsnacks character, so have at it. I would probably go with oh. the Bugsnacks character. Again, Dr. Dubjazz's character I kind of picked because I think Paradise Killer, I'm the only one that played it, so I would yep. have to give him more yeah. representation. Yeah, you are. Um, but I'm very happy to give it to Chandler. Chandler's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he is one of the best things about Bug Snacks. Yeah, he is consistently the funniest character in that entire game, and also simultaneously like the nicest character in that entire game. Yeah, yeah. Like he's just a cool dude. And, and he you... beats the he beats the guy who's like your your little intro mentor person who's telling you all your quest lines and stuff, who's annoying as hell. <laughs> oh no, I like um, fuck, what's his name? That guy. Yeah, exactly. Can't even remember Philbo. his name, but you know who Chandlow is. Philbo. I like Philbo. Philbo's useless, but he's he's nice. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying his hardest. His hardest Doing just his isn't best. very good. Yeah, his best just isn't great. Um, but yes, our best new character then for 2020 is Chandlow from Bucksnacks with Runners Ooh. Up. Chandler Chandler. from Bugsnacks. Chandler. Chandler Bing. Um, Chandler Dog. Chandler Dog. Um, And runners up are Bruno Durand from Dirt 5 and Dr. Doom Jazz from Paradise Killer. Next up, the best category that is here every year despite the fact that, you know, some years there's not a lot of these games. Um, (laughs) Which is the best RPG game game. 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 Game, game, game. Game. Uh, And it's back to Mike to start this one off. I had a funny feeling it was going to come to me, so... I have... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I have not played any RPGs this year, believe it or not. There hasn't been much that I've played within that genre. I have played one. Uh, I haven't played enough of it to be able to say, to even throw it into the mix, which was Manita. Uh, I will speak about Manita later on, mm-hmm. but I don't have uh, I don't have anything that kind of qualifies as an RPG this year. That's fair. Yeah. I kind of had a tough time picking something for this as well um paul do you have anything i i mean i struggled as well i put assassin's creed valhalla in here because it has rpg elements i've not played um, valhalla but 
Odyssey was definitely what I would consider an RPG. So yeah, no, and Valhalla is much the same. It is an RPG. It is an action RPG, uh, and it would be my choice mainly because it's the only thing I've played other than Destiny 2. That's fair. Destiny 2 an RPG? It's an MMO. It's, a, it's like an action RPG. It's like a Diablo. I could, I could yeah. consider it, it technically didn't come out this year. Is yes. the, the maybe the iffy bit <laughs> about putting Destiny 2 in so, it. So, yeah, the... Um, uh, Purely because it's the only thing that is close to an RPG that I have played. It's Assassin's Creed That's Valhalla. That's fair. Um, you know, if you'd asked me at the start of the year what was going to be the best RPG of the year, I feel like I feel like most of us, in fact, probably would have answered Cyberpunk 2077. And yes. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, as far as PlayStation is concerned, it's not even out. It's weird. Um <laughs> without next year apparently yeah we'll see um you mean next year from now when we're recording yes next year from <laughs> now 2022 by the um, time they fix that mess <laughs> but i do have an actual answer an actual rpg that came out this year and is really good and that's the final fantasy 7 remake which actually almost was my biggest surprise as well i was fighting about oh yeah Fuser i forgot that came out this year and I because didn't even play it. I I don't really give a shit about Final Fantasy Seven. Like I don't hate it. It's just it's fine. It's I think it's a yeah, pretty every, over... everyone knows that the best Final Fantasy was eight. Oh, I think you cut out again, Mike. Uh, we didn't. Yeah, hear um, what was that? But yeah, <laughs> six is the best Final Fantasy, and then it all went downhill after that. And then uh... no, they <laughs> picked cut ten too clearly. <laughs> Too, like, oh, that Paul's cut out. What's going on? <laughs> I have a, I've such a ten two is such a fucking dumb game. Um, but yeah, like I I don't dislike Final Fantasy Seven or anything like that. Like the original, <laughs> I just it's it's not. I didn't play it at the time like most PS one games. I played it a bit later, and by then I'd played better RPGs. Um, so it was kind of like I don't have the nostalgia for it, so it wasn't something like I recognize it as a good game and you know informative for a lot of people um so i didn't really expect that much from the final fantasy 7 remake and it's great <laughs> it's i wasn't expecting a huge amount because one that that i just explained and two it's built on the same foundation as final fantasy 15 and i enjoyed yeah. final fantasy 15 but the combat in final fantasy 15 in particular is terrible like it's so bad and I wasn't really looking forward to more of that, especially without the big open world, because Seven's obviously a much more linear game for at least the part of Seven that's in this remake, which is maybe the one <laughs> downside of this game, because it is only a remake of like the first portion of Final Fantasy Seven, basically up until you leave the city, and it's it's weird that they do that, and it doesn't really have like a very clean ending as a result. But they also the they've added enough stuff to it that the rest of the game it doesn't feel like a short game like it's not like oh this feels like a third of a game or whatever it it feels like a full length RPG, um, and they improved the combat over Final Fantasy Fifteen because they added this kind of semi turn based mode, um, so it's got the kind of action time battle system from Final Fantasy Seven. But instead of it being, 
you know, you sit around and wait for your bar to go up and then you attack, you're constantly attacking with like regular like action game button mashy kind of attacks. And then as your bar fills up, you can then use that to do, you know, to cast magic or to do special moves and stuff like that. And when you do that, you can pause the game and make it basically turn-based so that you can do those actions. And it's just a really good system. Like, it's is the best I have felt about Final Fantasy Combat in a long time. And it makes me very excited for Final Fantasy 16, which seems to basically be using the same stuff, but on a newer kind of game. Um, but yeah, it's I was surprised by how good it is. Um, they change up some of the story stuff. I feel like Final Fantasy 7 Remake is... It's a weird thing in that it it's a remake that knows that you've probably played the original. So it does a lot of like playing around with, you know, stuff from the original. Alright, yeah. Um in a quite interesting way if you like know the story of that game and you know this kind of stuff. There's some stuff that they play around with that I'm not as keen on, but there's some stuff that is like interesting to see where they're gonna go with it in the sequels. Um yep. because again this is like part one there is going to be at least one more of these if not two um but yeah that's final Fantasy 7 remake that's my best rpg game game of 2020 i'm happy to make that the one that wins it <laughs> by virtue of being the one that's definitely an rpg <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. <laughs> that's yeah. You know what? That's fine. That's fair. Um, um, that game didn't quite make my top five, but it's like I wrote up a full like top ten list, and that is it's in there. Um, I think it may got pushed down actually, but it was it was, it was there. Um, cool. so yeah, our best RPG game is Final Fantasy VII Remake runners up are Assassin's Creed Valhalla and nothing um <laughs> next up we have best quarantine game so this is a category for the games that got us through quarantine I again don't think this one needs to have a winner I think this is kind of like best old game and that this is very personal to each of us and not like a yeah, yeah. you know yeah thing um i have two for this one but um but yeah i just want to explain i guess what it is like it's not necessarily it doesn't need to be a game that came out this year it doesn't need to be a game that came out during quarantine or lockdown or whatever you want to call it it's it does, basically the thing that helped yeah, yeah it's the game you played a bunch of probably more likely at the start of quarantine but it might have been later on i don't know it depends when you needed it most you know yeah. Um, but yeah, I think first up we have Paul. So I actually have two. Uh, one of them was back at the start of lockdown, quarantine, whatever you want to call. One is a more recent edition because we're now back in a second or third yeah. or fourth or whatever you want to call it uh, here in Scotland. So my first one would be Call of Duty Modern Warfare Stroke Warzone. I put in a disgusting amount of hours to that game. I played it with uh, Kieran, played it with Ben, played it with Nathan, 
uh, actually got online and played it with people from an American football fantasy football group that I'm in. Uh, I used it to play with friends who I haven't spoke to in <laughs> four or five years and spend hours online playing games with them. It yeah. just, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I said earlier, I've got 350 hours in that game. Uh, and most of those came, I got Modern Warfare on Christmas 2019. And... I did not start playing the game properly until my fiance went home on January 6th of this year, or of 2020. Uh, so, it, yeah, there's a lot of hours in that game for having not been played much until the January of this year. Yeah. So yeah, that I would didn't definitely that be my quarantine game. Uh, my game my other one would be the tail end, definitely Destiny 2, because um, I started <laughs> yes. playing that with you. <laughs> A lot of multiplayer stuff, I think, is yeah. going to be in this. Use the, use the games to connect with people a lot. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, oh, I didn't actually write this down. I'm an idiot. Uh, Call of Duty and Destiny. Both very good choices. Um, my lockdown quarantine games are first of all animal crossing animal crossing new horizons which was a release this year it came out kind of oh, just yes. as we were going into lockdown at the start of the year um and it it similarly for that multiplayer kind of thing you know there was a period of time where we were all in our messenger chat sharing turnip prices every morning oh, god and, yes <laughs> you know um, visiting each other's islands to get fruit and you know things like that um it was a game that kind of because you're doing that where you're like getting up in the morning and checking turnip prices and you're checking turnip prices again in the afternoon and stuff like that and instills that kind of um scheduling like that regiment into you that i think was very essential for me at least when i started working from home um i needed to have more of a i didn't have a get up in the morning and catch a tram and get into work i just had to get up in the morning and work and that's kind of like it doesn't sound that different but like mentally that is like a different thing and i feel like animal crossing as well as keeping me in contact with you know friends and playing a bunch of stuff and we're all chatting about the same thing and giving us something to talk about and things like that also helps that part of my brain basically be like you gotta get up you gotta check turnip prices also you should work i guess but you gotta get up check turnip prices it's like yes as yeah, stupid yeah. as that is um and my other game is actually a very similar one uh or a very similar reason not a very similar game uh which is ring fit um okay. at the start of no choice like my I don't exercise very much. My exercise regime when I was, you know, not confined to my house was walking a bunch. You know, uh, I work roughly about four and a half, five miles from where I live. So sometimes I, just, that's, I walk home, it's a big walk. And I go for big walks at lunchtime and I, you know, do that kind of thing. And that's 
the only reason that I'm not, you know, the size of a house. Um, and obviously I don't have that at the moment because I'm not at work. I can't walk home from work because I'm not there. Um, and Ring Fit became my replacement for that. I started, I mean, I was getting up in the morning and checking turnip prices in Animal Crossing and then doing a half hour of Ring Fit before work. Um, I basically just replaced my commute times with a Ring Fit workout. And Ring Fit is still just like a really easy to get into exercise thing as well as just being a really fun RPG. Um, so it helped instill that kind of thing in me because I was just enjoying doing it. So I was getting some exercise, but it was also just a fun game to play. Um, so yeah, that's that's my two. Mike, what was your quarantine game or games? Because... Well, I have two as well. Yeah, um, and uh, the, uh, one from each of you. So, uh, first one was at the beginning of lockdown um, was Animal Crossing: New Horizons. Mm. The exact same reasons as yourself, and bought it, and you know the entire country went into lockdown. We all, everyone, kind of panicked, and everyone started working from home. And I worked from home for the first month. Um, but I am classed as a key worker, so I then soon came back into, started going back into work. Mm. But for that first month, the the exact same reasons and the, the same things you did, Kieran, as well, is it helped you create a routine. Right, I need to get up in the morning, and I will, I'll do my morning stuff in <clears throat> in Animal Crossing, and then I'll do my afternoon stuff and check the prices and and do all of that stuff. Uh, so it did, it helped with things like that. It was great for keeping in touch with everyone. And we were constantly in touch, you know, uh, within our group. And it was great, brilliant. And there was, it just, that game got me through everything as well. Uh, it, I, it became a challenge as well because I was working and there was the, the ones when I was working in the office it was guaranteed that I was going to get a, a good price on the turnips. <laughs> and I did. I got one of the highest prices we had seen. And we were then trying to tether my switch to my phone to connect to the network so you guys could get in and sell your turnips. Yeah. And it didn't work. <laughs> and it was just like this 15 minutes of at 8 o'clock in the morning, everyone was pulling their hair out because we couldn't get my <laughs> island. Um, it was brilliant. And I love the game, played a lot after that as well. And yeah, so my second game is Destiny 2 as well. Just started playing that. So I have been off work um, just to use up holidays and things like that. Um, and I've had, you know, some shit happening in my personal life as well. Things have been happening. And it has just been a really good distraction to not think about things during this this time and things like that. And I've been catching up with you guys and Nathan and it's just pulled me through as well. So it deserves a shout out as well. Definitely. Destiny oh, yeah. 2 was 100%. almost in mine as well, but I thought it was pushing it to put 3 on here. I should probably have chucked Animal Crossing in mine, but I <laughs> didn't quite enjoy it as much as you guys. I like the, the aspect of playing with you guys. Um... But I... Yeah, the minute the minute that kind of died away and we focused on other things, you you went straight back to, or not straight back, but you went more into your Call of Duty. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. I just had also had an expanded group of people I was playing that with that there was different groups of people on at different times and I never ever actually stopped working at any point. I was never working from home. In fact, this is the first year of work where I've not taken all of my holidays and I think the most time I've had off. So I've had eight days off over Christmas and New Year. Um, so COD's just very easy to stick on at night. I don't have to th- think about anything. I just shoot things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a great way to unwind and also a great way to talk to people. Um, but I found um, Animal Crossing to be a bit more in-depth and more than I actually wanted to do. Oh, definitely. I feel like for me... Like as a game, Animal Crossing, like I fell off it after a couple months of that stuff. Um, as much as I like it, I kind of built the stuff I wanted to build on my island, and then was like, "Well, I'm done. I finished this island. I finished Animal Crossing." Yeah. And all my islanders are like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah. you got to hang around though. There's seasonal events. There's stuff to do." And I'm like, "I finished the island." And they're like, "There's this big empty bit. You didn't put anything in." And I'm like, "I finished the island." <laughs> like, there's just this wrestling ring in the middle of this forest and I'm like yep there sure is what a fun <laughs> game um, but yes our best quarantine games are to sum it up Animal Crossing, Destiny 2 Call of Duty and Ring Fit but multiply some of those by two um, most of them by two yeah um <laughs> Uh, let's do another couple and then we'll maybe break this up into second episodes because it's going quite long. Uh, but not as long as a usual game of the year, which was the best fighting. Hmm. There's been less fighting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's partly the new format and partly the games that came out this year. Um, yeah. <laughs> But next up, we have best strategy game, which, uh, oh, am I first this time? I'm first this time. You are. You are, yes. I'm first this time. Yeah. Um, I, there was a lot of really good strategy games this year and I didn't play most of them. Uh, because. Same. Spoilers. Spoilers. I was working from home and I, you know sit at my desk to do work all day and so I very very rarely was like ah I want to sit at this desk to play games now <laughs> afterwards so I just didn't play a lot of PC games this year um, but the one that I do have here that was very good and actually also fits into the it was a runner up for my best quarantine game as well was uh, Crusader Kings 3 which yeah. me, Paul Nathan and Ben God, I was I said Paul's name real weird there, and I don't know why. It was like yeah, cough. you did. I, I was like coughing in the middle of it. It's like I auto tuned myself. Um, Paul, um, but yeah, me, Paul, Nathan, Ben all played a bunch of Crusader Kings three multiplayer. And a lot of it. It was on Game Pass, so I spent like a tenner on that game basically, and it was great. It was just, other than the servers being kind of shitty and sometimes we would all just disconnect randomly and it's like, well, great. Yeah, and bug out a little bit. Yeah. Um, it was just a really fun strategy game. It's just, you know, it is Crusader Kings. Like, it's, it's an improvement over two and they've simplified a lot of things and 
uh, which is why I was able to get into it because I tried two and absolutely hated two. Two is really hard to get into, but it's not actually that much more complicated than three. Three is just they've got the onboarding a bit better. They made it look a bit nicer. They there's better feedback about stuff to be like, hey, you should be doing this at any given time. Um, but if people don't know, Crusader Kings Three is a a grand strategy game where you're playing as a lineage of uh, they can be kings and queens, but they might just be dukes or they might be, you know, whatever. They're some kind of you know family and you know. Uh, or you can start as a duke and end up a king if you wanted. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's all about that kind of thing. It's all about like politicking your way around and invading things and marrying off your children to you know heirs to other thrones, so that you know a generation down the line you'll control that country because your son's down there and he's about to inherit it. And you can do lots of dumb shit. Yeah. There was a point in that game where I seduced Nathan's wife uh, and she left him for me and Nathan, <laughs> and then Nathan ended up in this crisis where he didn't have any heirs because their mother had just left to come to me. And so like we had this whole situation where Nathan was like, I'm just going to lose my country. And then unrelated, but Nathan did lose like half his country because his sister was like, I'm the in-game sister his in-game sister was like i we're i've taken this half of the country and he's like no you can't no what and he ended up in this like giant civil war for most of our game uh while ben was just so slowly taking over england before getting deposed i was taking over scotland before getting deposed i was taking over the entirety of ireland before getting deposed, getting deposed. <laughs> i took over iceland and then all of a sudden iceland was just suddenly controlled by england randomly because like the next in line for the throne wasn't my heir it was just some guy that was there yeah um, uh, i lost most of ireland with one death yeah Spent ireland, a ton of time ireland broke up into like six different parts when they uh, when the uh, paul's person character died, died yep uh, and then Kieran actually got some of those parts because my daughter was married to his son or something like that. Um, so I ended up using my character to call in Kieran's character for aid, and then we free we reunited Ireland. Yeah. Uh, only for me to lose it all in a civil war again. It's so good. It's such a nonsense game, but you can do so much fun things with it. Um, I also had one king who was just super into assassinating people. Just oh yeah, he assassinated. We were all coming to you to get our assassinations done. I invaded multiple places by like putting my successor, like politicking it so that my successor was next in line for the throne in like various like counties, and then just assassinating, just fucking killing all the leaders, and be like, "This is mine now. That's mine now. That's mine now." Very good. That's actually how I got most of Ireland the second time around. I just got Kieran to assassinate people for me. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, Crusader Kings 3. Mike, what was your favourite strategy game? My favourite... Oh. The one that I played was Gears Tactics. Hmm. I didn't get around to that. I need to. Good game. Yes. Yeah, I... 
it is Gears of War crossed with XCOM. That's basically as much as you can say about it. Yeah, um, really good. It is a bit more involved than XCOM. I feel you've got more decisions in the kind of shots that you can get your character to uh, take, um, the weapons that they can use. So there's a bit more micromanagement and things like that. And it is just, it's still kind of light in in terms of, you know, like strategy games, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's not a Crusader Kings. It's not <laughs> yeah. it, um, Stellaris or anything like that. You know, it's more the combat. Um, good fun game. And uh, it's on Games Pass. What more do you want? Yeah. And it looks pretty. I do need to get around to it. I don't have Game Pass anymore. I should really just resubscribe for a month and just play Gears Tactics. You should. You should. Yeah. Paul, what's your choice for best strategy? Mine's is Crusader Kings 3. <laughs> um, okay. Do you want to talk about that? Gears... Should we... Uh, should... Yeah, well, let's go in-depth on it. <laughs> no, I don't think that's... I'm going to go with that sandwich. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, for all the reasons listed, um, it Did... was one of the co- games we spent a lot of time on during that yeah. first quarantine as well. Um, yeah. a-, a lot of my choices of games that I enjoyed this year are things that allowed me to either get completely lost from the world or things that allowed me to connect with my friends mm-hmm. um and that was that was one of them uh and it's a fantastic game have i went back and played much of it single player no uh if someone was to suggest tomorrow we started a new multiplayer game i'd be in <laughs> yes i would definitely at least consider it um did anyone play the actual new XCOM game that came out this year? Uh, uh Crimea Squad. Yeah. Yes, I own it. I haven't even booted up. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot it came out. It's supposed to be pretty decent, but I mean, making a XCOM game where you play as cops is maybe it was maybe a bad choice for this year. <laughs> they couldn't maybe have seen that coming, I guess. But you know, uh, I, I mean, cops I maybe I... not the heroes of twenty twenty. <laughs> No. Um but yeah, uh I don't want to overstep my bounds here, but I feel like Crusader Kings three wins this. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um if we could have got you on Crusader Kings three as well, you would have probably liked it. It's just I hmm? I can appreciate uh, I you know, the amount of time you guys spent on it and of course, you know, Normally, everything we do online, we have one chat. So if you're not playing the game directly, you still see the screenshots and everything that's happened. You can, And it was just another one of those games that brought, the, you know, all of us that played or all of you that played, it brought you all together. And it's just another one of those games that, that helped us get through a very shitty year. So, Definitely. yeah, absolutely. Definitely. So, yeah, best strategy game. Crusader Kings 3 with runners up Gears Tactics and maybe that XCOM if we'd played it um, maybe yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, I also want to shout out uh, uh, if I can remember the name of it uh, Total War Troy 
which came out this year as well, and was free oh, on yeah, Epic Games Store when it launched. And I have that downloaded as well and never touched. Um, that's a really good Total War game. Like, it doesn't do anything particularly special. It's just a good one of those. So, yeah. Uh, that's the reason it didn't win for me. Uh, next up, we have Best Soundtrack. We're starting with Mike. Mike, what was the Best so, Soundtrack? Uh, so, are we talking about the Best Original Soundtrack? Oh, sorry, yes. Best Original Soundtrack. I've just got Best Soundtrack and Best Licensed, so... Right. <laughs> Sorry, that's so, my fault. <laughs> my best original soundtrack was, we mentioned it in, it was in Biggest Surprise, and that is Astro's Playroom. Mm, yes, so that's a good the, choice. Yeah, the, even where, so the, I want to call it the crossbar, but it used to be the crossbar on <laughs> PlayStation 3. Yeah, I don't know I don't, yeah, I don't know what they call it now, but where you select the games, and if you leave it on there, it plays a little bit of music, you know, from the game. And if you leave it on the Astros Playroom bit, it's just this very sweet melody that plays, and the entire the, the music is, it just feels like love and nostalgia is the best way I can describe that music. It is just full of hints to the past, and it's got this cheerful little soundtrack. Um, they also do this, uh, there's like vocal performances, but they, they've run them through like a chiptune emulator. So it's just this, you know, it's not like the Splatoon Vocaloid. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's kind of like it's run through a chiptune it emulator. Kinda, and the it kind of sounds like Daft Punk, or at least one of them does. The GPU Jungle one kind of sounds like a Daft Punk song. Yes, yeah. Except but, they're singing about the gpu <laughs> yes yeah gpu uh it's I tried, yeah i i, I did I like it. it it's very cool um yeah just really sweet it fits the game and it was just i mean th there's other games and you guys are probably going to mention two of them now where it's this you know big sweeping soundtracks and the epic this was just sweet. It was just nice, and it fitted with it, and loved every bit of it. Mm -hmm. Is there any particular song from it you would like to hear right now? Oh, um, because I would default to the GPU one, but I will happily put something else on. No, no, put the the GPU. The uh, yeah, I did like them all. So yeah, the GPU right. one was quite good. Let's see if we can figure this out. Paul, do I need to add this bot to the chat first or just do it? Just do it. Just type uh, dash play space and then your link. This might be too loud. It's actually not loud in mine at all. This is the GPU jungle. About you guys, but I really like Yeah. Or am 
my favourite things about this song is that he knew people would like the lyrics of it and so you could find them hidden on the island, they're on the, the level somewhere. But yeah, this is GPU Jungle from Astro's Playroom. Astro's Playroom, I actually didn't think of that when I was making my pick. Nah, neither did I, to be honest. But actually, yeah, that's a great choice. Uh, Paul, what is your pick? So mine's might actually cross over with yours, but I'm not 100% sure. And it's a game I haven't played a lot of. Uh, I've maybe only played four yours, or five something hours not, of it. Yours will not cross over with mine. Oh, okay, well that's fair enough. Um, mine is Hades. I was considering Hades, but yeah. The music in that game is absolutely just amazing. It fits the setting so well. Yeah, it's super dry. Um, like they, they make games with great music. They always have. They got Darren. Clark oh yeah, back no, again. they really have. He did the music for Bastion. He did the music for Transistor. He did the music for uh, Pyre, and those were all amazing. And you know what? He fucking knocked out. Hades is also again. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um. There's, I mean, there's not really much else to be said about it. It's a super giant game. It's an original soundtrack. It fits the setting so well. Um. Yeah. My my other shout for. Not so much soundtrack, but sound design as a whole uh, would have been Ghost of Tsushima. Mm. The yep. sound design on that game is really good. Yeah, like it has good music, but none of it like really sticks in my memory as like oh no, you know, I can no, definitely not. Sound design in general, yes, like yeah. For mm. if, yeah. if the category was sound design, that would have been my choice. But with it being music, Hades is yeah. my choice. I feel like that kind of sound design stuff was kind of what. Uh, came into like I, I kind of included that in my mind at least for the open world stuff yeah yeah because it definitely is part of that atmosphere is the the sound of it all um do you have a song did you bring a did you bring something uh, did i class? bring a song to class uh i did not but i can quickly grab one up to you or i can quickly grab one i've got one open oh we'll do it then all right this is uh just because I'm a big fan of every time they bring in uh, Ashley Barrett to do one of the songs in their games. Super she did two in this one. Yeah, she does a couple at least. Um, this is Good Riddance, which is a song that Eurydice plays when you encounter her in the world. In Hades. Uh, if this works. I don't think that's working. Ah, I see. Is that working for you? No. No. Oh, it's queued because I paused it. Whoops. Yeah. Try again. My bad. I can't use the bot. I still paused. <laughs> no, no. It says no playing. No, it said the bot is currently paused.
but yeah, that's just such a good song. Such a good soundtrack. Yeah, no, the entire soundtrack's really, really good. It's a good year for soundtracks. Uh, I had things open for both of your guys, and I didn't have one open for mine. But my, <laughs> I did almost pick Hades as well. Um, like I, like I said, I just love Super Giants music in general. It's they always knock it out of the park, even for their game. Like I don't like Bastion that much. I know Bastion is like I think you like Bastion a lot, didn't you, Paul? I did. I loved Bastion. Um, it was that. It's still my favorite Super Giant game. I'm not a massive fan of Bastion compared to their other games, but the music is so good. Um, for me though. My favorite soundtrack of this year was Paradise Killer, which I've also brought up a bunch, but it had a very kind of um, poppy kind of like, there's a specific term for it, I forget what it is, I always say it's like city pop or something like that, um, like not quite synth wavy, but kind of adjacent kind of thing, um, and it's just, it's got some real good tracks in it. Um but it's a real good soundtrack overall. Um, I will play one just now. Although I don't think it's going to win, but, you know. What wins? Don't all rush. <laughs> I don't know. It's a tough one. Um, I am still sticking to my guns with Astros. I like the the score. Yeah, I feel that each each world or each of the levels is scored differently. You get a different vibe but you've got the same kind of you know theme and kind of instrumentation that runs all the way through it yeah I I would be cool with that yeah I think I can go with that I think of these yeah. one one <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think of these three it wouldn't be I mean it obviously wasn't but it wouldn't be my you know overall pick but I think Thinking of like an overall one of these three, like it definitely, it's just such a cool, interesting, like different thing. Like it's the soundtrack is so different from, I mean, to be fair, it is also kind of similar to how they did the VR one, but I think the songs in Astro Bot are just, or in Astro's Playroom are just like, they're very memorable and catchy and cool. Yeah. 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 So our best original soundtrack of 2020 goes to Astro's Playroom. 
with runners up Hades and Paradise Killer. Uh, we're about halfway through, so do we want to take a quick break and then we'll split it into two episodes or? Yeah, no, I'm cool with that. Yeah. You guys cool with that? Cool. Uh, I mean, come back tomorrow or something, whoever is listening to this. I mean, I might just put them out the same day. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Bye for now.